Well, Will Rogers once said, when I die, I want to die like my grandfather who died peacefully in his sleep, not screaming like all the passengers in his car. Well, my hope is to be one of those fortunate ones that are on the earth when the Lord appears and there's the rapture of the church and I never have to face dying. And so what I want to do, I want to talk to you today about what is the rapture. There's a lot of talk about it. There's books written about it, movies made, but what is the rapture? The Apostle Paul describes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, let's just read it, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 15. He says, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep, those who have died in Christ. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Now, as we have been looking at some end time passages out of the book of Daniel, in the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 2, and Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 9, and if you've missed any of those messages, I urge you go back to gracearlington.com, <clears throat> go to the website, and, and, and go ahead and catch up with those messages. But as I've been given those messages about what Daniel saw about the end times, I've received a lot of questions after each message. And one of the questions that continues to come to me regards the question of the timing of the rapture. Now, we saw from the book of Daniel that there will be a seven-year period that will end with Christ returning to the earth, setting his feet on the earth and setting up, beginning to set up his kingdom, the kingdom that will last forever and ever. Remember, two weeks ago we talked, we saw in Daniel chapter 9 that there was these 70 weeks of years, or 490 years, the first 100, 483 years have already happened in history, starting from the rebuilding of Jerusalem out of the book of Nehemiah till Jesus makes his entry on Palm Sunday into Jerusalem. And so it tells us that that period is over. Then it tells us when that last seven-year period will begin and when it will end. We're told that. We're told that that last seven-year period, which is yet future, we're told when it will begin, we're told when it will end, and we're told what happens in the middle of it very clearly. We're told that it will begin when the Antichrist makes a covenant with Israel. He's going to be a man of great power. He's going to eventually have a ten-nation confederation of power, but he's going to guarantee Israel's safety. 
He's going to guarantee their safety for seven years, for this whole period of time we're talking about. And we're also told very clearly that both in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 9, we're told that at the end of that period, Christ will come again and he will destroy all other, you know, kingdoms that resist him, which will be the Antichrist kingdom, and he'll set up his kingdom and it'll last forever and ever. He'll set up his kingdom on earth and it'll last a thousand years on the earth and there'll be a new heavens and a new earth. He'll continue to reign as king. So we know the beginning. We know it starts this last seven-year period and we know how it ends. But we're also told two weeks ago, we saw that in the middle of that seven-year period, the Antichrist is actually going to do something that Jesus calls the abomination of desolation. He's going to come into the temple and he's going to demand that he is worshipped as God himself. And when that happens, Jesus says, and we're going to see that passage in a moment, when he does that, that will begin a period that Jesus calls the Great Tribulation. This seven-year period, even though popularly it's called the Tribulation period, it's never called the Tribulation period in the Bible. But Jesus calls this period starting in the middle of that last seven years, Jesus calls that period the Great Tribulation. So we, we clearly have these, this, this framework by which we can understand the end time events. I want to fill it in now, and I want this to be just simple and clear as it could be. So Jesus is actually going to talk about this period of time in Matthew chapter 24. But before he gets to it, he's asked a question. And here's the question he's asked by his disciples in Matthew 24, verse 3. It says this, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So Jesus is going to ask, answer their questions by telling them, first of all, some of the signs, plural, leading up to this time. And then he's going to tell them the sign. That's their question was the sign. He's going to tell them the sign, singular, of his coming. So first let's see what Jesus says about the signs that will lead up to this time. Starting in verse 4 of Matthew 24. Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened. For those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes, and in the book of Luke, It's added plagues. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. So as Jesus says, there are some events that will happen 
before the end, before he returns. And he says those events that he just listed are going to happen like birth pangs. Now remember, birth pains happen with greater frequency and intensity until the baby's born. Greater frequency and greater intensity until the baby's born. So Jesus says these things that he listed, wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines and plagues, they will happen with greater frequency and greater intensity until he comes. And so in this passage, as he talks about the beginning of birth pangs, those can happen before the seven-year period. They can begin before the seven-year period, but they will, they will go up probably through the first part of it. But he says something in verse 9 that there's a shift. Matthew verse, chapter 24, verse 9, he says this, Then they will deliver you to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations because of my name. Then... Then, it's no longer the beginning of birth pain. Something has shifted. He said, then, this goes into heavy labor. Then the great tribulation begins. Now, Jesus actually tells us when that will happen. Again, we're not, we don't have to guess these things. We're told everything so far in the Bible. We're told this. Jesus tells us when this great tribulation will happen. He points out it'll happen at the midpoint of this seven-year period, Daniel's 70th week, when the Antichrist sets himself up in the temple to be worshipped as God. Let's see where Jesus says that. Matthew 24, still in Matthew 24, verse 15. Therefore, this is Jesus talking here. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place in the temple, Temple Mount. Then he says, let the reader understand. He wants the readers to make sure they understand the book of Daniel. Let the reader understand. Then he goes down to verse 21. For then, at that point, there will be a great tribulation such has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. So Jesus makes it very clear that in the middle of that last seven-year period, Daniel's 70th week of years, these are weeks of years, that seven-year period, there's the abomination of desolation where the Antichrist comes into the temple, which will be rebuilt on Temple Mount, and he demands he's worshipped as God. Jesus says when that happens, at that point, then he says, verse 21, there will be a great tribulation. Such has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. So again, we got some key points here that are clear to us from the Bible. We got when it begins, when it begins, the Antichrist makes a covenant with Israel. In the middle of that seven-year period, he breaks the covenant. Demands he's worshipped as God. At the end of that seven-year period, Jesus touched down. He touches down on earth, destroys the armies of the Antichrist, sets up his kingdom. So those things are clear. Now, 
He says that this time of great persecution, Jews and Christians will be hated, we will be arrested, even killed for their faith, he says, of Jews and Christians, particularly, uh, and it'll be more intense, of course, in that region. Now, Matthew 24, verse 10, he says this, and at that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. So at this time of intense pressure and persecution, many will fall away. I mean, think about how many fell away just during COVID. And that's nothing compared to this. So this intense pressure, many will fall away. And then they'll actually turn against one another and turn people in that they know about. He says, betray one another, hate one another. But then he says this in Matthew 24, verse 13. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Endures to the end of what? Saved from what? Now, we know that the Great Tribulation starts at the middle of this seven-year period. And it would seem that this great tribulation is just going to go the whole three and a half years till Jesus sets down on planet Earth. It seems that way. But Jesus says something else we have to understand. He says that in verse 22 of Matthew 24 that the great tribulation period will be Shortened or amputated is the exact, the exact translation of the words amputated. Let's read it. Matthew 24, verse 22. He says, unless those days, he's talking about the great tribulation. Unless those days <clears throat> had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Okay, so here's what he's saying. Let's just... Hear what he's saying. He already made it clear when the Great Tribulation starts. And it would appear that it would go three and a half years. But he says he's going to cut those days short. Those days are going to be cut short. Amputated. He didn't say that the last seven-year period is going to be cut short. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say Daniel's you know, 70th week, that last seven-year period is going to be cut short. He says the Great Tribulation, which starts in the middle of that seven-year period, it will be cut short. Okay, keep this in mind now. What's it cut short by? What is it cut short by? Amputated. Well, Jesus tells us. Again, in Matthew 24, he tells us what cuts it short. Matthew 24, verse 29. Again, every word in the Bible is important. Matthew 24, verse 29, he says, Jesus is talking here. He says, but immediately after, and all your Bibles say after. But immediately after the tribulation of those days. Now, remember, he already told us that those days will be cut short. So immediately at that point, when it's cut short, after the tribulation of those days, the tribulation is cut short immediately after that time. What happens? He tells us. 
Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. Remember the disciples' question. What will be the sign of your coming? He now answers that question. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, a tribulation that is cut short, amputated, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of heavens will be shaken, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And then all the tribes of the earth, all the tribes, the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. He's still in the sky. And he, Jesus, will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. And so what he's saying is simply saying this. The great tribulation will be cut short. By what? By the rapture. He, just, he was just described what he's going to do. He's in the sky. The whole world sees him. This is not some stealth operation. This is not a secret rapture. This is a rapture that he, everyone sees him in the sky and they mourn. And then he sends forth his angels and they catch up. His elect. Now, let's see what Paul wrote. We already read the passage, but let me read it again. Where Paul, Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, describes the rapture of the church and see if it sounds the exact same thing as we just heard Jesus say. 1 Thessalonians 4.15, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. We know now by the angels, caught up together with them in the clouds, in the air still. He hadn't come to the earth yet. In the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. So here's the picture, real simply, the Lord appears in the sky. The whole earth sees him. No secret rapture. All natural lights have gone out. The sun and the moon and stars are all gone dark. The sky is lit up by Christ himself. All the tribes of the earth shall see it and mourn. What will happen? Next, the trumpet will sound, the trump of God. By the way, in the Old Testament, the trump of God was sounded for two reasons only. One was to gather his people together, and two was to prepare for war. So the trumpet will sound, all the angels gather up the elect, people are gathered to the Lord, the rapture of the church. 
That's why Jesus goes on in Matthew 24 to say this in verse 40 and 41. Then there shall be two men in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, one will be left. That's the rapture of the church. Now, what happens on the earth, what happens on the earth after the rapture and before Jesus comes and destroys the Antichrist and his armies and sets up his kingdom on the earth? What happens after the rapture and before Christ sets feet, his feet on the earth? We're told. We're told what happens after that. We're told all the prophets, and most of the prophets in the Old Testament spoke about the great and terrible day of the Lord's wrath. The prophet Joel, chapter 2, verse 30 and 31. Now listen to this. Again, all the words in the Bible are important. Joel 2, verse 30. I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness. Any of this sound familiar? And the moon into blood before, before all of your Bibles say before. Before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So before the awesome wrath of God is poured out, the day of the Lord's wrath, the great and terrible day of the Lord, the prophet spoke about. Before that happens, before the events that Jesus describes of the rapture happen. Okay, let's keep reading. All these passages are going to come together and say the same thing. So again, before I look at another passage here, I just want to say, because people are asking, what does this matter? Why does, here's what matters. Why it matters so much. And we need to understand that the rapture is not going to happen before this happens. But it is going to happen before the wrath of God is poured out on the earth. And that begins in Revelation chapter 8 when the trumpet judgments sound out and God pours out his wrath. The word wrath, the wrath of God is not referred to until that point. You've got the wrath of the Antichrist but not the wrath of God. That doesn't happen until after the rapture of the church. That's why Paul says this now. All these passages are going to start to say the same thing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Now, as to the times in the epochs, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you, for you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. The day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is when God pours out his judgments, starting with the trumpet judgments. Okay? He says, You yourselves know full well the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night while they, they are saying peace and safety. I'm not talking about believers here. When they're saying peace and safety, then destruction will come suddenly like birth pangs upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, believers, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you like a thief. Go to verse 9, 1 Thess 5, 9. 
For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are not destined for wrath. This is for the wrath of God. We're not destined for wrath, but for salvation, deliverance. The church will not be here for the great and terrible day of the Lord's judgment. We will not be here for the wrath of God. We, we will not be here for the outpouring of the trumpet judgments in the book of Revelation starting in chapter 8. We'll be raptured at that time. Now, the Thessalonians, even after Paul had taught them this, they're a little fuzzy about it. So Paul writes them another letter to clarify that's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Here's what he says. Now, we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or to be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. So they're, they're wondering, hey, has this already happened? The day of the Lord's already come? What happened? That's their question. Has it happened already? Did we miss the rapture? Our gathering together in the day of the Lord? Did we miss it? That's what they're confused about. He, and he says, no. Verse 3. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Paul's saying, this ha no, you can this hasn't happened yet. You know why? Because this hasn't happened yet. Middle, where the Antichrist sets himself up in the temple. That has to happen first. Again, Paul lays out the exact same chronology of events as, we, as Jesus does. Again, you have the beginning of birth pains. You have the great tribulation, which is cut short, amputated. At that time, the church is raptured. Then you have the great and terrible day of the Lord's wrath, the trumpet judgments. By the way, the same order, and I don't have time to do this today, but is Revelation 6, 7, and 8. Exact same order in the book of Revelation. We're not here for the wrath of God to be poured out, but we are here for the great tribulation, which will be cut short for the sake of the elect. They're not the same thing. Now, why does all this matter again? We need to understand, this is why I'm passionate about this. And this is why the teaching that I was trained in, I got an A in the class, that we're going to be raptured before any difficulty, why this teaching makes me angry. It makes me angry because so many Christians will be disillusioned and unprepared. And that really makes me angry. We need to know, we need to be Girded up and realize there are going to be some difficult days to come. A lot of our, of our brothers and sisters around the world are already facing difficult days, right? Difficult days will come. So let, let me just point out a couple things that we need to, to make sure we, that we are prepared to handle. First of all, Luke 21, verse 36. 
Here's one of the things we need to do to prepare. Luke 21, 36. But keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. If you don't have a scheduled prayer life, it's time to get one. Don't just wait until things get tough and think you're going to all of a sudden develop you know, solid prayer life. These are the days to get your prayer life in order. Pray that you enter not into temptation to defect. There will be a great falling away. My prayer is that none of you fall away. And I pray for that regularly. Pray for yourself. Pray for your loved ones. Pray that they, you not fall away and defect. Get into the jihad. Get into those prayer meetings. Pray. Now's the time to do it. Don't wait till it's too late. But Paul also gives us some other guidance in light of what's coming. First Thessalonians 5, verse 8 and 9. Same passage we just read, but we didn't read these two verses. He says this. But since we are of the day, talking about living in the light, since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying, since we're children of light, children of the day, we should act like it. We should be alert, awake, self-controlled, well-armed. And uh, he says that we are to be alert. This, this, this time is not going to overtake us like, like a thief in the night, suddenly, unexpectedly. And it's not going you know, to be like heavy labor where the pregnancy is sudden and unavoidable. But he says, but arm yourself with faith and love like a breastplate. So the faith and love will cover the vital organs. Faith and love, faith and love. Keep believing the word of God through all this. Keep loving God and loving people. And put on the helmet of hope. Hope is that confident expectation of what's to come. Keep having your mind set on what's coming, what's coming, what's coming. That's how we live in these days. Let me say one more thing uh, before we wrap it up about the day of the Lord. The last of these seven, when these trumpet judgments start, the last of the seven trumpet judgments, when that last trumpet judgment is sound, Jesus will step down on planet earth and begin to destroy the Antichrist and his armies. When that last trumpet sounds, here's what it says, Revelation eleven fifteen. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ. He'll reign forever and ever. So Jesus sets down on earth and begins to establish his reign and his kingdom. And you say, what about the bold judgments? Those of you who studied the book of Revelation, well, Jesus, the book of Daniel talks about 45 more days after this and 30 more days after that, 75 more days. What happens? After Jesus sets down on the earth, he then destroys the armies of the Antichrist. He marches to Jerusalem. He sets himself up on the throne of David, and he rules, and he judges the nations. All this is really coming, folks. This is really going to happen. But I want you to know how it all ends. It ends with Christ reigning forever and ever and ever and ever. Let me give you one more verse before we get ready to close. I want to ask the worship team to make your way up here as we're about to close. Philippians 2, 10 and 11. 
It says, every knee will bow. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is a day coming when those who have refused to willingly, voluntarily bow their knees to Christ, there's a day coming where they'll be put on their knees. Every knee will bow. I want you to think about it. Every knee, every president, every prime minister, all through history, every king, every queen, Every sports hero, every actor and actress, every talk show host, every commentator, every talking head on every channel, every senator, every member of the House, every Democrat, every Republican, every independent, every conservative and every liberal, every Arab, every Indian, every African, every Asian, every Russian, Every Chinese, every Muslim and Hindu, every Buddhist, every tribal, every atheist, every Satan worshiper, everyone, no matter what color skin you have, black, white, brown, red, everyone will bow and bend their knee. And when that time comes, when that time comes where it is compulsory, at that time it's too late to get mercy. See, there's a time coming when it's too late to do this voluntarily. There's a time coming when it's too late to get mercy. It's too late to be forgiven. And in his very presence, every knee will bow. At that point, it's too late for mercy. But it's not too late today. Let's stand for prayer. Father, you know where everyone in this room is. And I'm asking in Jesus' name that none could leave here without knowing you, Jesus. And I'm asking if there's anybody who's walked away from you and needs to come back. And I, I pray that today's the day. Today's the day to surrender. Maybe for the first time for some in this room, maybe it's time to come back to it. But to surrender to you as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Mercy and grace. Uh-huh.